Welcome to the Tim Fowler Show, where production is paramount and we discuss the tools, time, and people associated with getting jobs done and making a profit. On today's episode of the Tim Fowler Show, we will be talking about from trauma nurse to production manager with the help of special guest Ryan Truesdale, the Kingston Group in Nashville, Tennessee. Alongside Tim Fowler, I am your co-host, Steve Wheeler. Here is the Tim Fowler Show. Hi, everyone. Tim Fowler here, and welcome to the Tim Fowler Show. As always, send your ideas in about what you'd like us to be talking about. Send them to tim at remodelersadvantage.com. Also, our guest today is one of our production managers in our production manager roundtables, and uh, we are starting another group. Uh, If you're interested in that, again, get in touch with me, and I'd love to talk to you about it. So we're continuing the discussion today about where to find good help, and particularly today, we're focused on those people that are in that production manager role, and particularly those who do not come from a construction background. So As companies mature, there's inevitably a need for someone to take the production department off the shoulders of the owner. And then as the company develops even further, the need is for people um, management or department management more so than true construction knowledge. So um, it's not that knowing about construction inhibits the success of a production manager is just that many of the people that love this construction trade don't make the jump easily to production management. And so we've had several people on that uh, have not started in construction. So a great lead carpenter loves the build, right? A great production manager loves the management side of this business. And so We're enjoying getting to know and meet people who are now in the business that did not start as a carpenter, become a project manager, and then drop into the production management role. So our guest today comes from intensive care training, and I was trying to think of a great joke about how production management is all about intensive care, but that's the joke right there. So I I can't wait to hear the story. So let's get started, Steve. All right. So starting out in the medical field as a critical care nurse practitioner for 12 years, Ryan knows what it's like to work in high pressure situations and understands the importance of working with a team to execute plans with precision. At the Kingston Group, he has been a catalyst to bring process and order to the day-to-day operations. His organizational leadership, passion for serving others, and his ability to think like an owner is second to none. Leading the production team, Ryan and the Kingston Group are the preferred choice for customer modeling in the Nashville area. Welcome to the show, Ryan. Thank you for having me, guys. Appreciate it. This is going to be this is going to be fantastic. So there's a little bit there about the Kingston Group uh, in the intro, but give us a little more information about the company. uh, Maybe a little bit about the volume. The the, how do you get your production done? Do you have in-house? Uh, staff, or is it all subbed out? Just give us a little bit more about that. Sure. The Kingston Group, or TKG, as we refer to ourselves, is a custom design remodeler here in the Nashville 
area. Uh, we've been in business since 2007. Um, as of today, we're approximately a $7 million company. We are a design-build firm, meaning that we take clients from the beginning of their origination of the idea of project and take them all the way through a design process that takes them to a build contract. And then that's when it is passed over to our team, the production team, and we initiate all of the um, whole build all the way to the end of construction. Um, our team consists of, we're a 16-member team. We have two owners. We have a design team where we have a designer on staff. It also does renderings. We have an estimator and other uh, design assistants and team members. Um, on the production side, we have eight-member, nine-member staff. Uh, myself as a production manager, we currently have six project managers. We have a lead carpenter and then a, a field technician quality control guy. So we have two guys in the field who are actually executing some of the work and also helping evaluate, get ahead and work through feasibility for when we're planning these things. But the bulk majority of what we do is subcontracted. Um, ah, good, good, good illustration. Good explanation. All right. So let's jump right into the main topic. So give us a little bit about your background. I guess I'm really interested, like, was there any construction in your background at all? And then, uh, you know, like, I, I, I'm pretty sure you went to school for the ICU. What, what did that involve? Yeah, well, that, that's a great question. We oftentimes in our industry, when getting to know guys, um, interviewing for project managers, you hear guys of generational experience in the construction game. Yeah. Um, that's great. That's not my story. I have no construction <laughs> background. I, I was thinking of a story to tell. And, and I remember back when I was a kid, uh, I would fish with my grandfather and uh, he had several boats. And as he aged, uh, as he was getting rid of some of his fishing equipment and got rid of some of the boats, one of those boats I pinpointed as one that I would love to own. And as a kid, I was about 16 years old when I realized when I showed up to his house one day that that boat was gone. And then when oh, wow. that boat was gone, I said, if that's how it's going to be, so be it. I'll build my own boat. So having a little bit of guidance from my architectural uh, uncle, um, I put together a plan and built a boat. I did plenty of things wrong, but the <laughs> boat floated with me in it. I was able to puddle around in it in our local pond that I fished a lot. Uh, outside of that, as a kid, there was no, my dad wasn't handy. I wasn't handy. Um, as I became an adult, um, owning our first home, I did adventure into a bathroom remodel, um, figured out that, you know, after watching a little HGTV and having a little extra time on my hands that I would do that. Um, I would say my wife wisely uh, elected to go out of town for a week. Um, I called in my lead carpenter and second person in charge, which was my mother who came into town. We tag teamed together. And, we, and a month later, she went home a month later. We had a bathroom and I had my first construction project under my belt. And I think from there, as, as I appreciated what I had accomplished, um, I would say I realized that was the beginning of learning what I'll never do again. And some of those things, <laughs> I, I'm not a, I'm not an electrician. I'm not a plumber. Uh, I'm not a drywall guy. And those guys, what they do is fantastic. Aside from that, again, a few years ago, still in the, while working in the hospital, uh, I did, some remodeling on our current home that we live in. But again, as I continue to move 
into what I'm doing in these years at the Kingston Group and in construction now, I realized that was the setting a great foundation for uh, how to not do it the proper way and, and leads us into kind of, I think it's part of our story, what led me here today. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about what you did in the ICU uh, as, as a nerd. What was your role there? And, and you mentioned in your intro, you know, being used to high stress, uh, you know, teamwork kinds of situations. Give us a little bit more about that so we know a little bit about your training. Sure. So went to school to become a nurse practitioner, spent 12 years in the adult ICUs. I had an opportunity to work in a multitude of ICUs, but started out in a surgical and neurointensive care ICU. So we're taking care of stroke patients, people who have had hemorrhages, people who have had other types of major uh, neurosurgical uh, interventions. And so we're running a service with a group of nurse practitioners who are running a 24-7 service. And you're working 12 to 14-hour shifts, seven days a week, 365. You know, some weeks is day, some is it's nights. And so there, each day when you go in, you have a team, you have a process. Each day began with a 20 to 30-minute sign-out of just – delivering all of the updates of the past 12 hours. And then 12 hours later, you did it again to the oncoming next shift. And so if there's any point there's information dropped or lost, um, it can be detrimental. It can be life-threatening. Um, so the idea of having a process, having an, a, a sequence and an approach to what we did and what all those years in the ICU, I think, I think really speaks to what we'll probably get into in a moment moments later about production management and how kind of lead and guide our production team and systematizing um, without um, maybe over micromanaging what the guys do, but helping establish that approach and process has been really helpful. And so, yeah, in, in the hospitals, there's stressful times, you know, it may be busy hospitals. Thankfully I was able to get out of the hospitals before we experienced COVID in our world. Um, however, we, there's different, different things, just busy seasons um, and different times when the hospital's full or when you have really critically ill patients or, or you've had a couple that are really sick and you're having to deal with those things. So, so stress was part of it, um, but really being able to having a systematic approach, being able to go through a protocol, being able to have training that you could rely upon would help kind of give you a bit of emotional detachment from some of those things because – you didn't need to be emotionally charged and, and to be able to carry out this. You needed to be able to be level headed and calm and, and collected. So I think that was the area in my years at the hospital where I was able to really thrive in, in seeing the situation for what it was and finding out ways that I could actually find solutions and help the situation. Cause in some situations you look at it and it doesn't appear things could get worse. Um, so what do you have to offer to those situations? Yeah. yeah, I'm just sitting here thinking like I could never do it. You know, I, I'm I just feeling like, man, I'd see people laying there and I'd probably just break down and cry thinking like, how'd they get here and what can, what in the world can I do? So my hat's off to you for doing it for 12 years. And um, so just so I don't break down and cry on the podcast, let's move on to construction. So absolutely. <laughs> So uh, tell us a little bit about how you met 
the company, the Kingston Group that that you're working for now? It seems like an odd. It, I mean, I, I don't believe the owner was in intensive care and looked up and said, "Hey, do you want to be the production manager?" But um, how did you actually get connected with them and and, and get started? Sure. Um, great question. I, I think I've, I've been able to think this through. And, and really take what is a long story. It was a, it was, I call it when I'm given more of sharing my story with somebody else, I'd say it's a, it was a two year journey. Um, but for me, um, I was on a journey of trying to figure out what the more was in my life. Um, I knew when I did my training back in the early two thousands, um, is although it didn't make sense, I knew that I would not be in the hospital. It just, it didn't feel right. I knew I wouldn't be there forever. I had great years there, excelled, enjoyed what I did. But there's there's something kind of deep within that says, you know, there's something more. And after kind of maybe pushing that down and pushing that away a couple of times when it comes up back in 2016 and 2017, I, I decided after spoke to, talking to my wife, I'll embrace this. Let me let me actually see what this really thing is. And so I kind of went on a, a journey of trying to discover what that was more because all of my prior education, all of my professional experience. And to some degree, some of my identity as a professional was being a nurse practitioner in ICU. And so that was, I wouldn't say fun. It was sometimes painful and difficult, but it it was really eye-opening and enlightening. And then in that period of time, I met with a lot of folks. I shared my story plenty of times, read many podcasts, read many books, (laughs) and was just trying to pour in um, into me as I was growing and through a mutual friend, I met one of our owners, Ricky Scott. We had known each other, I think through names from a distance for a while, but I actually never met called, pick, pick the phone up, introduced myself. And I said, Hey, I'd like to talk with you again, just tell you my story. So we sat down and had coffee one day, had a great conversation. Um, we liked one another well enough that a few days later, reached back out and said, Hey, I'd like to get to know you some more. Kingston Group and Ricky were, were inviting. They brought me into their office and just, it was organic. You could say it was, I, I, I'm a man of faith. So I think it was part of God's plan for me in transitioning out of this uh, chapter of life. But we sat down and, and immediately just hit things off. And he shared in ways, I was seeing who he was as a business owner, seeing who he was as a professional and seeing what they had built, which was quite frankly, really good. You look like they're right on the cusp of something that's about to catch fire. They've done a lot of things, but simultaneously seeing, man, there are so many spaces where they're just things that haven't been done. Cause there's only so many people involved at this point. I'm seeing an entrepreneur who's got entrepreneurial spirit who at his best is doing those things, but he can't go do those things because he's a business owner and he's having to fill plug all the holes in the ship, so to speak. And so, man, I, I just saw places where I could immediately add value um, and not really knowing exactly what that was. We continued our courtship and our interviewing process for several <laughs> months. And because and the first time we met, he said, that sounds great. I, I enjoy hearing what you said, but we don't have anything. I said, I understand. But eventually um, they were gracious enough to, and wise enough. They created a role. They created a role, said, this is what we need. This is where I believe you would fit. And uh, we both really were able to slowly uh, take a big step of, of faith into what it looked like to hire somebody that was in a non-production role. Because 
at that point, if you weren't a salesperson, an estimator or a project manager, you didn't fit in what they were doing. Yeah. So this is really interesting to me because it just feels like you go to school. Uh, like I went to school in uh, agriculture. That was my college education. I came out of that. I was a youth minister for a few years and then I got into construction. Um, but I did have, you know, I did do, I did build a boat, a couple of boats actually when I was a teen. So we have a lot and a lot in common, but it, I didn't go to master. I didn't go to get a master's degree. I, I didn't spend 12 years working at the thing that I had gone to school for. What was so attractive about this new possibility? Obviously you grew to kind of get it, but what, what was it that, that drew you to this as your, as your more? Yeah. Why, why was this, why was this your more? Yeah. Well, I, I like to answer that question with two quick answers. And the first one is I, there was the more it was what I was doing was really good. And I, and right. I, I, I use that analogy of closing a book, and, you know, moving to the next chapter, that chapter in my life in the medical field was great. It, it fed my family offered yeah. me so much, but what, what I was moving towards and some of the opportunity that I was seeing with the Kingston group was related to working in a small business, small business and seeing how you could affect that company for the better, for the good and really grow. Um, it was exciting. Um, the idea of moving outside of a large uh, institution and going working for a smaller company uh, is risky. Um, at the time that we were going through this interview process, when we first started, my last child was six days old. We, I had just had our sixth daughter. Uh, so from conventional wisdom says, you've got your most liabilities that you've ever had, uh, take care of that. And so to leave a large institution and, and consider going working for a much smaller construction company in an area that you have no experience in defies all logic. But again, through prayer, and, and, and searching a door was opened and there was an excitement about just being able to venture into a new, new area that I didn't really know much about. And I was very fortunate along the way. And, and in this decision-making to have uh, my wife who was fully supportive and, and yes, admittedly, we were both at times kind of scared. Is this something we're going to do? And it was like, no, this is what, actually what we've been asking for. It's here. Let's step through the door. So, Yeah. Oh, that's, that's so incredible. So, so many times when people come into the production management role in a company, and I love the people that I work for, but I, I've, I've mentioned this a number of times, it felt a little bit like I was brought in, somebody said, here's your office, here's your desk, let us know if you need anything. You know, it's sort of, uh, you know, jump in and swim because uh, we need you to get, get going. What, what was the transition like for you coming into the Kingston group? Uh, how, how did, was it, was it jumping off the deep end or was it more of a, we're going to ease you in and, and help you get a, accustomed to this thing. And then obviously you, you'll be taking on the responsibility. How did, yeah. how did that work? I think the decision to leave and, and leave and go into construction was a, act of jumping off the deep end. I think okay. the same, same would be true. To, speaking of the Kingston group and Ricky and Robbie's willingness to develop a role was a huge 
leap of faith and, and it showed their vision for where the company wanted to go. But in terms of how do they take a, a newly, at, at my actual role when I first arrived was operations manager. And so how do you take somebody who has none of this? Was It was, it was a slow process. They, it, there wasn't a defined role. We had another person in a production manager role who was our first production manager at the company. New to it, was still figuring that out. But there was, I sat down with Ricky uh, every once a week. And sometimes it was, we would discuss, you know, some of the things we'd be working on or just brainstorm or just checking in on me personally. So I'd say there was a lot of, there was a lot of easing into and allowing me to find my way, allowing me to have enough space as I was overcoming the overwhelm of being in the new <laughs> industry to just think things through. I remember early on just asking some being tasked with something very simple. And then that required me asking several questions and then going to and trying to seek out those answers. And I couldn't find them. And it, to me, practically, again, thinking about a, a systematic approach, if there's not answers to this, Oh, okay. There's something we got to figure this out. If we, if we okay. can't, what, what is our warranty process and who's in warranty? Well, you got to know <laughs> when the warranty began, you got to know when the job's finished. Right. And just, just exactness. So I think that that was a good example of where just giving me space to figure things out and let that evolve. Um, it was definitely easing into. Cool. So a lot of this sounds like, you know, a lot of it was developed as you came in, Ryan, but so let's say, did you guys talk about anything in the beginning in terms of, you know, here's the benchmarks or here's where we want you to be in 90 days. Here's where we want you to be at, at this point. Um, was there any of that or was a lot of this on the fly and, you know, just the constant communication saying, you know, Ryan's happy with what, you know, the choice he made in this yeah. role. And then, you know, cause there's one thing to make sure you're on the right path from the, from Ricky's side and the Kingston group side, but, you know, to also add the innovation, which I'm sure you've done based on your experience. So how did they kind of check in with you, with themselves to, make sure that everybody made the right choice. I would say early on, it was more of a subjective, maybe a gut feel and how are things working? And, and that was part of some of their graciousness and allowing time to pass. Cause I wasn't going to come in in 60 or 90 days and things weren't going to change because just there's establishing rapport and, and figuring things out um, kind of in relationship to your benchmark question. I think that was a place where, I initially saw that value add, which was, we know we need to be measuring these things. We need to figure out what these benchmarks are. First off, mm -hmm. let's step part of my role in the operations was to figure out some of these benchmarks and then let's start capturing data and doing some reporting on it. And so we, we, we live by the old adage that you, you win at the things that you're measuring and that, cause that's the things you're paying attention to. So we knew we need to be paying more attention, but there was nobody, there to pay attention and capture those data points. So simply by doing that, before the true data was in, you, you we feel we're about to win. And then what we've done over the last couple of years as we've continued to refine those benchmarks and share those benchmarks with our team along the way, preemptively, we've seen the effects of winning. Very cool. So that leads me into, you know, my, my next question is just, it, it feels like you brought some things like the benchmarking, like paying attention to some of the data. And you mentioned that 
also just as the company was growing, Ricky didn't have the opportunity to do that. He just could not spend that much time on it. What else did you bring from your education, from your experience to the Kingston group that might be of interest to uh, the population that's listening in on this show? Yeah, I think I know this this particular conversation is around production. And but I think even before some of the production management responsibilities and roles was was leadership and development. So what one of the go back to our core values of who we are, we're people we're a company who cares about our individuals and we talk about being team oriented and having a family focus. So trying to spend enough time with our team members and helping them develop professionally and, and maybe just have conversations around what that would look like, what that can look like, understanding if we give them a platform to, to mature and grow professionally, how, how much better is that going to help with their longevity with us? How much is that going to help with their satisfaction and what they do to day to day? Because if everything we're doing is extracting and pulling from them instead of bringing life and pouring into them, we'd, just not seeing that as a sustainable way. So part of part of what I did early on was to have some of those conversations and maybe mediate some other conversations. Um, All right. So um, what have you learned, I guess? And I'm going to assume that you've learned a lot about construction, you know, that, you know, terminology and general things like that, but sort of beyond just, the stuff that many of us already know, what have you learned by being there? I would say I'm learning, with, <laughs> still learning. Okay. Um, I have learned quite a bit about construction building sciences. Yep. Um, however, that's just enough to be dangerous. Uh, <laughs> but outside of that, what, what I have learned in even particularly working with um, you this past summer and part of our roundtable group that we're doing is this idea of how to lead others, particularly in a production manager role, um, would be being able to not step in too much into a project manager's role. So understanding role delineation and what it means to be a production manager versus a project manager and being able to allow your project managers to leverage their greatest skills and assets, which is their technical knowledge, their management, all of the things that they're doing but still being in the loop. So being curious, asking questions, um, doing that in a way that doesn't overstep that boundary, but still offers accountability and uh, to the company and to the project manager. Um, another learning piece is more of a technical piece, but this construction sequencing, understanding critical path yep. and understanding that, you know, the, the proverbial why, when you hear something and you ask why, and you ask why, <laughs> And it's in, in the light bulbs go off. You're like, oh, okay, that, that actually makes sense. And then you can take some of those light bulb moments and integrate those into how you continue to hold accountable and be creative in asking questions um, and finding solutions. So I'm thinking back to something you said about the ICU and the, how critical information is and how if information drops somewhere in that that path of communication, it could mean somebody's life or, you know, extended care, that kind of thing. Sure. Uh, have you found that to be also true within the construction world? Yeah. One of the, I think, main pillars of project management and what we do is communication. You're communicating with one another as a team. 
with your clients, with your subcontractors. So adequate communication is vital, period. And then yeah, subsequently documenting that, documenting, having, having conversations and, and, and handshakes with guys is nice and well and has its place indeed. However, but getting things in writing and we use a builder trend, which is our uh, software platform that we collect all of our information. And I tell the guys, it's kind of like that same mentality we had in the hospital. If it's not written down, we don't know it. If we can't look at your builder trend logs and see over the course of the week that you've been doing X, Y, and Z. One of the things I tell my guys is often, I know you're doing so much. We're conversing. We're meeting weekly. We're hearing what you're doing. It's important that you capture this because if, if we're not having this conversation and you're, and you look at the project as a whole, you don't see all that's actually being done and all the hoops that you're jumping through and all the obstacles that you're overcoming. It's, it's vital that it gets back to that. So I think communication is absolute. And then documenting, documenting well is the place that we stand to get better. Uh, and I think for just everybody in construction as a whole, documenting and capturing those notes is, is vital. Yeah, I love that phrase. If it's not written, we don't, we do not know it. I, I just, it just is such an important uh, idea. And, you know, as companies grow, I mean, when a company's two or three people, you know, usually we can keep all that knowledge and we understand it, right? But as it gets bigger and bigger, getting it written down is just so much more critical. Are you worried about the future of your business? Are you stuck and unsure about what step to take next? Do you have any doubts about your ability to lead through this crisis? Whether it's business, finance, or production, we have the experienced professional coaches standing by to help you and your team battle through these uncertain times. To learn more about our coaching program and to schedule a free 15-minute consultation with our head coach, Doug Howard, visit remodelercoach.com today. Now back to the show. Well, okay, so... This has been really cool. It's been fun. I hope the listeners are having as much fun as, as we're having. Um, as we start winding it down, if you were going to tell a contractor out there, like, and they were looking for a production manager, and maybe we're interested in somebody from outside of the industry, kind of somebody like yourself that has some of those experiences that they could bring to managing the process and the people. Um, what would you what would you tell them to do? How how would you advise them to kind of get started looking for that person that's going to add something like you've added to the Kingston Group? I believe the one of the best ways is it's first it's it's very introspective. It's I, I do some hiring here for project managers and other jobs, so I'm I'm thinking the same way. But I need to have a clear understanding before I'm going to hire a production manager or project manager or any role, I need to have a clear vision for what it is I'm hiring. And, and, and for us at the Kingston group, we talk about it a lot. We talk about our, our company values and we talk about being a right fit, both the employee for us and us for the employee. And so that I think it pertains absolutely to anybody who'd be looking at a production manager and we're hiring a person first. Um, I think this, this idea uh, it goes across all 
industries, but you're working with somebody 40, 50 hours a week. Um, so can you work side by side? Can you collaborate? Can you, uh, can you disagree? Can you really work with those types of people? So hiring the right person first. And, and in doing so, I think uh, we've created a scorecard. We don't always do it perfectly, uh, but we try to create a scorecard to describe what it is that we're looking for and the character of the person, personality. We do personality profiling on a lot of people who are hiring. And then, and then there is technical. I don't, I'm not dismissing the idea of technical knowledge and, and technical ability, but understanding that is one of several really important things that we do. Um, and then, you know, just being open to hearing, getting to know the person, getting to know who they are um, and seeing how that overlays with what you're doing. I think if you're looking at somebody outside the industry, uh, we, we've hired some other for other roles that were outside of the industry. And we, we've done some of both. And, it, and it's pretty amazing to think that you can take somebody out of the hospital and plug them into this position. You can take somebody over here who's been in commercial construction and then somebody over here who might have been in landscaping. And But if you pair them together, if you've got the right person fit, um, my belief is that a lot of the technical ability can be learned. It, it, it also is it's certainly an asset to have that, um, but getting the right fit, just I can't say that enough in so many different ways that it's the critical. I've seen it go poorly and in <laughs> in in construction, I've seen it go poorly in the medical world and, and where you don't have the right person in the right seat. Uh, and and that that usually causes more problems and more headaches and more expenses down the road. So, but yeah. but it, it all all starts with as your question was how do you look at somebody for a production manager? It's being open minded. Um, I think you described it earlier. And one of the things that I've learned at the Kingston group about that was some of my insecurities as I've gone through different levels of learning and, and progressing in production management. I say, man, I, I feel like I'm really not certain about this particular thing. Well, what we well, yeah, dig down to what, what the uncertainty is or the lack of confidence, it's technical knowledge. But more you think about what the production manager role is, they don't need to go have all the expertise. That's why you have subcontractors. That's why you have project managers. You do have to have an entry level and you have to have a certain minimum, but sometimes there is a place where your lack of industry knowledge gains you a, garners you a different perspective. <clears throat> and, and that's what I challenged myself to not, not have these limiting beliefs around being a production manager that I, I'll someday, one day be better because I'll have more technical knowledge. But in fact, I'm actually well suited to be right where I am in this moment. And, and some of my lack of technical knowledge is because I, I bring other skill sets to the table. So that is absolutely well said. I, I just don't, I, I don't know how I, again, for the guy that's never at a loss for words, I'm at a loss for words. So I'm just going to go ahead and say, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to wrap up my side, Steve. Yeah. So no, I, I, I have a, Silly, superficial question. I mean, uh, construction is dangerous and hopefully nothing ever serious. But has anybody had any injuries where they've said, hey, Ryan, can you take a look at this? <laughs> no, I mean, but <laughs> no, I, I joke with that one. Um, uh, after all these years of caring for people and writing prescriptions and all this stuff, and I say, guys, I'm really fast at dialing 911. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll, I'll, be, I'll be there. 
and I'll be cool and I'll be calm, but I'll dial it fast. <laughs> <laughs> oh this man. Is great, this Ryan. Thank fantastic. You. Absolutely fantastic. Lots of little gold nuggets all the way through. And, uh, Ryan, I just really appreciate you taking the time uh, to be with us, sharing a little bit about yourself, uh, some personal stuff as well. And I, I'm just I, one one last question. Do you have a wedding savings account set aside for the six <laughs> girls yet? Do you have are you are you stocking up the money? A little bit. Not probably not enough. But that, that's one of the things I again, I, I just have to do my best from day to day. But I, I try not to think about that because I mean, there's college, there's weddings, there's all these other things. Yeah. So I try to stay yeah. in the moment. Sounds good. Well, thank you so much for being with us, Ryan. It's been fantastic. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been a joy. Appreciate it. Take care, Ryan. Thank you. Tim, we've had a number of uh, different podcasts where, you know, we've, we've looked at people that have come outside of the industry. And this one is just, again, (laughs) uh, this one is totally different. Kind of caught me off guard as I was reading the notes before the show, but this is just such fantastic information and uh, it can tell you a lot about not just looking for a production manager outside of the industry, but just what to consider uh, as, as potential with your current production managers. Yeah. So I think a couple of things just really stood out for me. The idea of being open to new opportunities, not, not the production manager themselves, but the owners, you know, like, what are you open to? Are you open to talking to somebody who has a master's degree and has worked in ICU nursing? It's like, I, it's almost like I would say like, I don't need a nurse, you know, but there's skills there that transcend the actual practice. Um, I really love this idea that, that he knew there was something more. And I'm intrigued, you know, for those of us who have been in this business for a long time, we might be trying to get out to find our something more, but he found his something more in, uh, in this profession. I, uh, I really thought it was cool that he called the owner of this company and said, hey, can we get together and talk? You know, and, they, and he used the term courtship as they kind of figured out who was who and what, what they might be able to bring to the table. I thought that was really cool. I thought that was a great way to get past the, yes, come in for an interview. No, you don't fit. But, you know, that a little bit longer process to talk with somebody and to think like this, this might work for a role that we don't even have yet. And how are we going to, how are we going to craft that? And like I said, during the, during the uh, discussion, this phrase, and uh, you know, I, I love little phrases, and I keep them hidden away. And this one's going to be part of that. If it's not written, we don't know it. And I just think that the the importance of written communication, this being something that Ryan brought from his ICU world, where you know it has to be written down into uh, our world. And I guess too, maybe thinking along, you know. Like somebody's health is important, but guess what? Somebody's house is important too. Maybe not as important, but it's important too. And so we have to have that level of commitment to the communication. Yeah, this has been so awesome. Um, I, I think we have so many collections of, of episodes 
where, you know, let it be the auto industry, or we've had a couple others where people have come in. This has been probably the most outside um, the industry. <laughs> so this was, this is so cool, but, you know, even to show the synergies um, and, you know, to show the importance of that communication and details can't be missed along the way. Right. In one mm-hmm. aspect, it's, you know, someone's health um, and life and in some cases, and, and, you know, this is not as serious, um, but, you know, to look at those details, it's just, it's very cool in terms of what you can do with the company and, and keep that mindset in place. So this has been awesome. We want to thank Ryan for joining us today. And we always want to thank you for listening to another episode of the Tim Fowler show. And remember at the Tim Fowler show, we're working hard to eliminate. It is what it is from your vocabulary. This has been another episode of The Tim Fowler Show. Want to hire Tim and fast track your growth? Visit remodelersadvantage.com consulting to learn more. And if you'd like more information about Roundtables, our world-class peer advisory program, please send me an email at steve at remodelersadvantage.com. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to the show and comment on iTunes. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.